tuning in. This and actually, so it's been a very mild day, rainy day. We needed the rain, and I have my farmer friend on the uh, line, Pete Bianco, my regular Wednesday co-host. Aren't we glad for the rain, Pete? Oh, very glad for the rain. We're, you know, even with this, we're still in a big drought. So yeah, it oh, makes pulling weeds a lot easier. Makes pulling the weeds easier. Yes. And pulling the carrots and the beets. Uh, yeah. Although beets tend to pop up a little bit, don't they? Right. They're not. They're not as deep in the in the. Uh, you know, in the carrots that have the forked ends, they really come out a lot harder. Yeah, they're serious. They're 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 serious about staying. It's like a it's like a tooth with roots on it. The, the, you know, you gotta like put some. Right. Put some I need, a, I need a dentist to pull right. that one out. <laughs> exactly what I was thinking. Exactly what I was thinking. So what's going on on the farm? Um, so we're getting toward the end. I mean, we did, uh, uh, just a few days ago, we pulled the last of the carrots. And, uh, so, um, trying to think of what else. So, so wait, so how do you, how do you keep your carrots? Do you keep them in cold storage? Do you put them in sawdust? Do you put them in sand? What do you do? Um, so after we, so we store them clean. Some people say that they store better with dirt with on dirt on them. Uh-huh. I don't know if that's, um, if the reason that people say that is because they're not putting them in a container, but we put ours into these, um, we call them uh, lugs. It's, it's a Tupperware, basically a Tupperware container with a few holes in it. Get a little bit of air circulation, but mostly you're keeping the moisture in so that they're not dehydrating. Right, right. So you, you're not a proponent? It's, yeah, it's just not something that we've ever done. Well, so, you're uh, mass producing. You're, you, are, you guys are really uh, volume. And, and sales. So you have to be ready for when people come and just be able to turn over the produce, right? Right. We don't have time to be taking the sawdust off right. of them. <laughs> right, right. So, um, they, they store quite well, and, and they'll store until the uh, spring, and you can store them, you know, in, in a root cellar in a dark place. The only funny thing is that if they do make it all the way to spring, um, they start growing these fine white hairs on them. Yeah, they do. And if they grow a lot of them, it can almost look like there's a mold on them or something, but it's just uh, these really fine root hairs. They're amazing. Interesting. Now, is, is a carrot biennial? Yes, it is. Yep. Okay, well, that's what it's doing then. It's looking for the, the next year for seed, right? Right, yeah, that life force. That's so cool how, uh, you know, these plants that we eat, they're alive. Yeah, you know, you know and, and it's important to eat live food. A lot of people don't get how important it is to eat um, live food. You know, most of what we eat as humans is cooked. And right. It, it, and it, it destroys the enzymes. It, you know, it, it, and it, it, it literally takes the life out of it. You want life in your body, you got to put some life in your body, right? Yeah, there's an interesting, if you want to see an interesting debate of two people that, uh, you know, are on opposite sides. Other than you and me, Pete? <laughs> besides the two of us. <laughs> about about raw food versus cooked food. Okay. Check out Susan Weed. Sus- and, no, that, and is it Susan? Susan yeah, Weed. Susan. Yeah, yeah, Susan, Susan Weed. And uh, uh, Brigitte Mars. Okay. And uh, the two of them have a debate over cooked food and, and raw food. And Susan Weed is on the cooked food really? side. Really? Yeah. And um, her, her um, reasoning, some part of the reasoning is that um, the nutrition that you're getting from the food... She's not so much into the enzymes part. She's into the, I guess, nutrients that you'd get out of a soup or something like that. Uh-huh. 
Um, but it's a long and, and detailed debate. But it's just interesting how uh, people disagree about a lot of different things, and it's, and it's uh, sometimes both sides are right. Well, I, I don't. I wouldn't want to eat a strictly raw food diet, although at different times I fasted and gone on elimination diets, which uh, which uh, amounts to you know a raw food diet for the most part, transitioning into cooked foods and stuff. And you, and you can see the benefits of it, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, raw food definitely has benefits. But mm-hmm. you know, a soothing, you know, cozy comfort food meal is <laughs> always, always yeah. uh, something to look forward to, right? Yeah, I say I'm, I'm an omnivore of cooked food, raw food. I'll do it both ways. Me too. Me too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like you said, with those comfort foods. Um, I passed by this a book title in the Utica Library some years back, and uh, the title was Potatoes Not Prozac. Oh. And I, ne- I never read the book, but um, maybe I even, I might have read the back cover of it. And I think that the idea is that, um, you know, these kind of comfort foods, there's a reason that they feel like comfort foods. And, and I want to say that the potatoes, and this might be just from listening to other people, are high in amino acids. And there's a book that's called The Mood Cure um, about different amino acids and how they can help with different types of addiction or uh, different types of depression or different types of mood disorders. Interesting. I've never heard the potato included as a source of an amino acid, uh, per se. Um, I will check that out. That's very interesting. Well, the one way to think about it is um, if you ever had a, a rotten potato. Yeah, yeah. Uh, rotten proteins smell terrible. So it's the, I believe it's the protein in the potato that's rotting, and proteins are made of amino acids. I'm looking up here, potato amino acids, and it says, come on there, white potatoes, sulfur-containing amino acids, methionine and cysteine. Oh, that's cool. Are lower in potatoes and other common staple foods. Potatoes can make can it, uh, potatoes exceed the recommended level of all four of the essential amino acids, demonstrating the potato protein is of high quality compared with pasta, white rice, and whole grain cornmeal. Potatoes are the only staple food meeting the recommended lysine level. Interesting. It is Do you know about people using um, some people use lysine, which is an amino acid, to uh, control um, herpes outbreaks. Yep, virus. Yep. Absolutely, yes, and and lysine and proline are uh, particularly good for a uh, a heart uh, cardiac um, cleansing. I remember there I had a a vitamin C combination that had lysine and pro, proline in it that was really um, you know it, it's it's like a kind of an obscure source of a blockage, not like you know the regular uh, you know plaque that you get but this was a, a particular one that um but yeah I, that's this news to me this is gr- good to know and stinking potatoes yeah man they stink when they when they go bad right but they're also what do you say about the the nightshade piece because i know some people you know the, the nightshades the the potato the tomato the mm-hmm. green pepper and the eggplant right yeah okay. yeah so the interesting thing about that to me is that um, 
because I've been studying herbalism and, and, um, and I'm into listening to different herbalists give talks, I, I was one time listening to David Winston, who's uh, an herbalist from New Jersey, who is, uh, has a bit of uh, fame or whatever. He, he's written a few books on uh, adaptogens and other uh, subject matter. Okay. But he claims that the man who uh, was was um, responsible for making the claim about nightshades, aggravating arthritis and all that type of thing, is a friend of his. And he said in the beginning that was, uh, he believed that that was true for all people, but over time, that person who discovered that, um, he believes that it only affects a certain smaller group of the general population in that way and that it's not uh, problematic for everyone. So it's endemic, and to per a particular group of people, who would those people be? Did he identify them? He did not, and that'd be a great, uh, that's a great question. I, I, I wonder, wonder if it's a blood type thing, or it's a, you know, a genetic origin thing? Yeah, you know, I could try to email um, David and see if he could tell us what the name of the uh, man who did that research is, and maybe we could get the answer to that. Because be that's a that is if that's if that's a tall tale that has held up for <laughs> for a long time, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, it is. And I mean, and who would have known about that? I'm listening to some obscure, um, you know, lecture from David. He's probably talking about you know herbs for depression or something. And oh, and by the way, you know, it was just a, it wasn't like a, a lecture on nightshades and arthritis, I don't think. Um, so I'm, I'm always, uh, my ears are always perked to hear someone uh, drop a little uh, nugget like that. Nugget of wisdom, yeah. Well, okay, so it's very interesting. Um, uh, I know uh, an Irish lass mm -hmm. who, uh, uh, who is, a, you know, a gardener and, uh, you know, very into the earth and, you know, plants and herbs and things and and she's irish and says oh no i don't eat any nightshades i don't eat potatoes I'm thinking, mm. this is the irish telling me she don't eat no potatoes this is very interesting uh -huh. you know i was like i know you grew up on them <laughs> i know you know anyway i just think that's interesting because um the the potato saved a whole lot of Irish lives. It was the one thing, you know, that they could rely on. Then they couldn't rely on that. And the potato famine, you know, killed, I guess, millions of people. I don't know, hundreds of thousands of people. That's why a lot of Irish came here, because they were starving to death. Mm. But that's interesting. And, and um, you know, I had always kind of ranked the white potato as a as a strict carb, you know, you know, a tasty right. carb. Right. You get the bad reputation. Yeah. Yeah, they're like, oh, it's just a white starch, not doing yeah. nothing for you. And and then also the recommendation that sweet potatoes are better for you than white potatoes, right? You've heard that, right? Right, and I have heard that, and and um, it, that wouldn't be surprising because you get the color in there, so there's probably some carotene in there, right. or right. some lutein, or I don't know what different types of uh, derivatives of the uh, vitamin A precursors to vitamin a right so listen to this surprisingly potatoes offer a complete protein if you need if you eat enough over huh. 10 over 10 per day <laughs> 
But wow. you would ultimately encounter deficiencies in A, B12, and E, and calcium and selenium if you keep it just to potatoes. Interesting. It is interesting. I, you know, I never, I really didn't know that potatoes were that uh, fill, filled with amino acid when you talked about the amino oh, acids. Oh, I just came across an interesting piece about nutrition from um, Joel Salatin. Have you heard of him? No. He um, is a farmer who raises animals on grass. Okay. And he, he's got a little blog, and he was talking about um, zinc in this particular piece and um, was stating that um, when our bodies encounter a lot of electromagnetic fields, which we are being exposed to more and more these days, uh, yeah. we become deficient in zinc. Interesting. So, and uh, good, good sources, well, you know, I, I just supplement with zinc, especially... Uh, during this time, because zinc is uh, specific for assisting in combating virus. Mm-hmm. So you want to take I'd, I'd heard that the uh, zinc picolinate is supposed to be one that is good at uh, getting into the cells. I don't know. Uh, you know, I don't know how true that claim is. That's just something that I'd heard in passing. I never dug down into that one. But, uh, and then for foods, uh, isn't it that... Um, uh, clams are high in zinc, or oysters. I get those two confused. I don't know. I don't know. We we've gone from potatoes to clams. <laughs> <laughs> We're definitely off the farm now. Definitely getting hungry. <laughs> getting, yeah, you're making me hungry, Pete. But <laughs> but you know when you think about it, comfort food. Okay, uh, potatoes and gravy. Right. Mm, yum. Right. Throw some turkey in there with some tryptophan in there. Right. You know, a yep. little slumber. Yeah. And that tryptophan is a precursor for um, um, some of the different things that you need, like melatonin. Oh, yeah. Amino. Yeah. Then there you go. Again, we go to the amino acids and the uh, uh, enzymes and stuff, right? Yeah. I remember that the uh, tryptophan was mentioned in that book, The Mood Cure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Quite a bit. Um, you know, uh, let's see. 5-HTP, right? Yep. We can, you know, we can go up on that side. But, all right, so we're, well, let's get back to the farm, though, because actually sure. we're going to um, we have to break for commercial, and uh, we'll come back and talk about, you know, food, food news. Okay, food news. Stay tuned, folks. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Cassandra Harris-Lockwood, and this is The Hot Seat. Hi, folks. That little drop uh, makes me laugh. <laughs> but Dustin and I had a lot of fun making that. Are you still with us there, Pete? Yes, I am. It did sound like you guys are having fun. I know. <laughs> it was fun. Um, yeah, so you know what? Um, uh, I want to talk about the uh, you know food some more, but there was something I wanted to, I wanted to bring up. Um, yeah, herbs. And, you know, I harvested... I did have some whorehound, and I oh, harvested, right. and I'm so glad I did. It, that's a perennial, right? Um, yeah, I do think it comes back depending on how sheltered it is and how severe the winter is. All right, so maybe I'll throw some straw over it or something like that. Yeah, yeah okay. that sounds good. Because I tell you what, what a what a powerful herb that is. Yeah. Really, I never really uh, danced around with that herb. But I remember whorehound drops. 
but I never, you know, really used it. And uh, I'm using it now, and I'm really effective. It's a very, it's great to settle a stomach, and it's also great for and as right. an expectorant. Yeah, yeah. And uh, for some people, they don't like the bitter taste, but you can always uh, sweeten it, and that's like the cough drop type of thing. Right. Right. And uh, then once once people get like used to, it, it's like an acquired taste, like. The, a lot of people don't like beer when they first taste it right. or coffee. And those are two other bitter things that are in the culture. And uh, people say that they're an acquired taste. But um, then you almost start craving to drink this uh, whorehound tea. It's, it's, it's it speaks it's to you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because, I, because comfrey is like that, too. And I put the two of them together. And mm. sometimes, you know, comfrey does not have much of a taste. But when you start drinking it, all of a sudden your body's saying, hey, hey, give me more of that. Keep, keep that coming. Because, you know, it knows it's good for you. Yeah. And the whorehound is really kind of Benjamin the same thing, and the comfrey kind of does mellow it out a little bit. Home. Learn but, more um, at I, I, You know, I was thinking com. about this. I want to share my Native American herbal preparation roots with, uh, with listeners. And a lot of people, when they make tea, they, you know, put a little bit of herb in a in the, in the teapot and pour the hot water on it and let it steep like that. Um, the way I was instructed by my uh, my uh, half Native American boyfriend many, many, many years ago um, was you take a, a big pot of water and you boil the water and you put in at least a teaspoon per cup of, of whatever the herb is, and then you let it steep. And then you, you, you pour off and you strain from that pot, and you leave the herb in the pot. And then you boil some, when you finish, when it gets down to the bottom, you boil yeah. some more water and you pour it back in the pot. And you keep, and instead of like a little tea bag or a little tea ball and throw it out when you're at, the herb has more to give you. Mm-hmm. It has more to give you, and it's, it's a, a, a really good way to uh, stretch, you know, st- stretch you the benefits of, of the herb, not just use it once. And that's what I've been doing. You know, I do that uh, for a couple of days with, um, with the whorehound and comfrey. Well, it's interesting that you mention that because... Um I usually do my tinctures always a, a certain way, and um, I was doing a tincture of uh, black cohosh root, and so I had the dried black cohosh, and I covered it with alcohol. You let it sit for uh, six weeks, and then you strain it out. And so yeah. I strained it out, and I was getting ready to throw the roots out, and somebody said to me, no, don't, don't throw them out. Ah. Soak them a second time in the alcohol. Ah. And so for the first time ever, I did this, and it kind of makes sense to me because it's a root, and they're, um, roots are more dense than leaves. Yep. I've done, um, a, a neighbor had a tincture of wintergreen leaf, and they put it in uh, a very strong alcohol, and it extracted everything out of it. And when they were green leaves, and when they took them out, the leaves were white. So it, it looked like it had zapped everything out of the leaf. So, I, you know, I would never would consider, right. or at this right. point, I, w- I wouldn't think of doing that with leaves. But with the root, it made sense, and... It's only been a day since I, or two since I put the more alcohol in, and, yeah. and it's already coloring. See, uh, the yeah, yeah. So, so 
now I can, um, you know, compare the two of them and, and compare the uh, effects of, of using them. Right, and color means a lot, and you can, and the same thing goes with the root, like, uh, you know, um, uh, I'll pull some, or, you know, actually I have it in my, in my refrigerator, chop up some comfrey root, throw it in a, you know, a big soup pot, and, and uh, simmer it for, you know, 20 minutes, and then, you know, I usually put it in my, use it, for, you know, to bathe in, and you can do that again, and you can see by the color that it produces that you still have plenty of the energy of, of the of the plant that you have that you can work with, right? The materials there. Yep. So, um, yeah, tea bags are, are different. You know, that's a <laughs> that's a little different. But well, so and like you said, like you, when you're extracting it with the water and you're doing the tea, there's there's more to be got out of that plant material. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you think about that this time of year a lot more than in the middle of the summer when you're just grabbing it and, you know, it's very, there's, you know, it's plentiful and, you know, you're just using it and tossing it out. But, um, yeah, it's like at the end of the season, you'll, you'll eat a tomato, you know, that you would have passed up <laughs> in the middle, in right. the middle of August, right? But, no, you're yeah. grateful for that little bit of tomato, so I haven't, I've not made any tinctures yet. Um, uh, well, I, I think I did some time ago, but I haven't made any in a long time. And um, so, you know, uh, what, what do you have uh, on the shelf already, Pete? Um, this year I did, um, I plucked the blossom, or not the blossoms, but the leaf buds and the young leaves. So you're, it's really supposed to be the leaf buds, but I, I missed that stage, so I got the young leaves off of a black currant plant. Okay. And that's, that's used in something that's called um, gemotherapy. So gemotherapy is where... How do you spell gemotherapy? What? It's, uh, I think it's uh, G-E-M-O, or maybe there's two M's, G-E-M-M-O. Okay. Um, and so you're using the leaf buds of various plants to make um, medicinal preparations, really homeopathic preparations. Okay. Um, so the way I saw it, I'm just making a mother tincture. Right. Okay. So... Um, Um, any any tincture could be considered a mother tincture, I guess. So it's a it's a straight undiluted um, tincture of the plant, I believe. Correct yeah. me if I'm wrong. On that. Yeah. No. Yeah. Right. You're okay. right. So, and and what that one is being used for is it's a trophal restorative, and, and so trophal means the place that it restores is the adrenals. So it's oh. a medicine to restore uh, damaged adrenals. Interesting. So really excited. From the to, from the black. Current? The leaves of, of the, the, the buds of the plant when it first is coming out in spring. You know what I want, you know, and, and that leads me to this, and I was thinking about this kind of vaguely. I was thinking about this kind of vaguely uh, uh, during the whole election cycle, Pete, because it's been, it's been so stressful for so many people. And as you know, but a lot of people don't know, a lot of our listeners don't know, that your your adrenals are there to produce adrenaline and other and other you know hormones, um, right. and and the cortisol is the one that your body produces after it it can no longer produce adrenaline. Adrenaline is for that flight and fright kind of response that your body has that gives you the 
the energy to run or climb or you know do whatever. Uh, uh-huh. But it, but it, that your body cannot sustain that sort of energy, so it in turn produces cortisol, which is your long term burning your long burning uh, 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 hormone. Yeah. But it's still stressful, and it still is demanding on your on your adrenals. And people, if you, between three and five during the day are when your adrenals are at their lowest. And that's when people, you know, oh my God, I guess I can't, I, I can't keep my eyes open. I got to eat a candy bar or drink a, a cup of coffee or go out for a run or do something because I can't, I'm losing. I'm, I'm, your body's saying, you need a rest. You need right. to, you need to restore your energy. And, that's when I do my, I, I try my best to meditate during that period of time, which is right before I do this show. <laughs> you know, I was just thinking about you meditating earlier today, and I was thinking, that's so cool that Cassandra takes the time to meditate before the radio show. Takes the time. If I, I wouldn't be able to get through it if I didn't. I'd be sitting here falling asleep and yawning. Mm. Butter, uh, butter. Dustin have to come and say, shake me. Get up, girl. Get, your, get back on the air. <laughs> get back on the air. <laughs> but, but seriously, so... Um, this, and I, I kind of wanted to, you know, bring this up talking to you and to share with our listeners what they can do to restore their adrenals. And you just, you just said it, this gemotherapy and black current tincture. What, what else do you think about Pete when it comes to that? Um, vitamin C I heard is crucial for the adrenal. Um, and, um. Some people um, use um, licorice root, but I hear that that can that one's a little more tricky because it prevents um, certain things from being broken down. So I guess you'd have to. I would. If you, I wouldn't just go out and use the licorice. I try to understand that how it works more before you do that. But I'm just trying to pull from uh, the reserve of my memory of all these different things. Um, I think that also uh, pantothenic acid is something that's involved with adrenal function. Okay. And, and that's uh, often combined in a, in, a, in a vitamin C or a B-complex, a B-complex uh, um, supplement, pantothenic right. acid. But I think right there with vitamin C, it's really good because vitamin C is essential and it's also water-soluble. So even if you take vitamin C every morning... By the time you get to the afternoon, it's probably gone. Mm-hmm. Vitamin C is something you can take multiple times during the day, and I, I would highly recommend it because uh, we all know. I don't know. You do know, Pete, that the uh, we are in the midst of a big surge with coronavirus, right? I've heard that. Uh, it's is that, bad. Is that on the county level? In the it's the level? it's the county. It's the state. It's the entire United States. Um, it's interesting because I feel like the word surge doesn't have a definition. So uh, it gets thrown around and, and we don't really know how many people that is. Well, it's more and more and, and, and outs- at, uh, as far as I know, the um, <laughs> um, I just got a, I just got a, a text I have to I can't read right now because I'm thinking about something else. Um, yeah, it's it, we are at a higher level 
of uh, deaths, hospitalizations, and um, positive cases than any other time, even before, you know, March or, you know, in, in June when things were really bad. It's worse now. Oh, I find that really hard to believe. A higher level of deaths now than in March? Yeah, I'm telling you, it's bad, Pete. You check, you know, do a little... You mean loop. a higher level of deaths per day? Yeah. Okay, you're not meaning cumulative, because cumulative is always higher the next day. Well... It's the, it's per day. We we are hitting record highs every day. I haven't checked. I haven't checked today, but um, um, it's it's bad. But and 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 in New York State, you know, we were kind of uh, very proud of our ability to you know battle the virus. But things are um, things are tough right now. I mean, the, the uh, it's. They're they're suggesting that um, you know, and, and we haven't hit the we haven't hit the the peak of it either. Huh. Well, that's hard to believe that the deaths are bigger now. I'll look into that. Check, check the, it out. Check it out. The yeah. Good, the good thing uh, I have to say is that uh, over the last week, I came across a, a new. Uh, there's a new trial on a on a drug that is um, supposed to be helpful for people that have COVID and also preventative. And it's not a new drug; it's actually an old drug, and it's called ivermectin. Ivermectin. It's an antibiotic, right? It's and no, wait, 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 wait. It's an anti-thalamic because I, it, it's what I I, I worm yeah. my horses with. Exactly. It's, it's a deworming pill. <laughs> ivermectin. Okay. Yeah. Well, I get it's, it. We get it in syringes and stick it down the horse's, you know, back behind his tongue, so we can't get it out. Right. And so um, there's just a, been a new study on it, and. It's promising and so i contacted the people that wrote the study and asked if we could put it up on the phoenix site and they said sure well send it to me you know i, I okay. this is new because you know they're t- they're talking about the the vaccines that are coming out and that the the big one the pfizer one and that's the one that has to be kept at you know 100 degrees below zero or whatever it is you know with dry ice and everything and then there are uh, that's the first one that's rolling out and i believe i do believe that that is the the one that um is the rna based yeah yeah it's one of the i think there's at least five well i think there's two that are rna that one in moderna and the, there's three more that alter your dna so those do genetically modify yeah. people yeah i'm not running i'm not running to you know take that one and uh, and, yeah. and i think it's interesting that they're talking about the first line workers doctors and nurses are um going to be invited to and i heard that and i heard that from um some doctors that said that uh they've been told uh by the administration that um they would like the doctors to take that vaccine first to prove to the rest of us that it's uh, safe so that we'll all want to feel okay doing it. And those doctors are saying, I'm going to quit. Yeah. <laughs> I heard like 60% of the doctors said no and 40% of the nurses said no. Mm-hmm. But listen, this is, I got, I just got a, I just got a text from the uh, person who, uh, the, the Irish Colleen, who oh, yeah. uh, didn't eat the potatoes. And she said an interesting nugget. You could mention is that Rudolf Steiner talked about how digesting potatoes takes a lot of mental energy, so we can't be as awake in our consciousness, turning us into simple-minded 
couch potatoes. Ha 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 ha. Anyway, I never knew that it took a lot of mental energy to eat a pile of French fries <laughs> or mashed potatoes. But anyway, that's a, a, a funny little aside. Yeah, but back to back to the uh, vaccines. Um, yeah. There are some uh, standard vaccines that are in the in the pipeline too. Okay. Oh my uh, goodness, Pete! Pete, we ran over. We are talking about potatoes and vaccines. I got we got a break for a commercial. Can you hold on with us for a bit sure. longer? Yep. Sure hold on, well. folks. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Cassandra Harris Lockwood, and this is the hot seat. Hi, folks. Thanks for sticking with us. And, and yeah, please uh, tune in to the hot seat. Would you? Yeah, we gotta straighten that out. Um, Dr. Yeah. Doss is having a good time. <laughs> well, it was out of place. But um, so where were we, Pete? We were, um, I got distracted. Um, with that, uh, uh, ditto. Okay. <laughs> Plus, we could reboot the conversation. Okay. Yeah. Well, we were talking about vitamin C and and. Uh, oh, I think we were talking about the ivermectin. Ivermectin. Yeah. 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 You know, and also a couple weeks ago, I posted a different uh, therapy that some doctors had approved, and it was called, um, I think it's called ICAN therapy, and that's an acronym, and uh, they were using IV vitamin C. Um, they were also using uh, a uh, anticoagulant medication, but the, the thing that was unique about this therapy is that they would use, like, five different things, but they were all being used for... Um, what they were approved for by the FDA, and um, people were getting better using those therapies. I know what I wanted to get to when we were talking about foods and amino acids. Is actually we got a uh, a text in from a listener who had a little boy who was uh, severely uh, lactose intolerant. And to the point where it was called, they called it food protein-induced enterocolitis syndrome. And um, he had to drink a a special powdered amino acid-based food called Elicare. But that reminds me that um, I had, uh, they they didn't call it all that big fancy name when I was a baby, but I almost died because I had lactose intolerance, and I still am lactose intolerant, uh, and actually I had a, a, a bit of a milkshake, I hadn't even thought about it, that it was a milkshake, and all of a sudden I'm drinking, I'm thinking, oh my god, my stomach doesn't feel so, oh my god, this is milk, <laughs> you know, it hadn't occurred to me, um, but yeah, you know, not all foods are accepted by everybody, mm-hmm. and it, you know, here's a little boy who, you know, vomiting, diarrhea, uh, weight loss, and I had all that stuff. I was like, they called it failure to thrive as a, you know, as a baby because I, I couldn't, I couldn't keep down milk. But, um, yeah. Uh, well, it's interesting that you use that term because there's a, an herb that's for failure to thrive too, but I'll let you finish. Go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. That's pretty um, much it. I had heard that uh, agrimony root is for uh, people who have failure to thrive. Um especially children, and uh, they also said that uh, the person, I heard this from Matthew Wood, and they said also it's for people who are spleeny. I don't know what that means. I, 
guess that's an old term, and I don't, I don't really so know. It has something to do with blood, I would imagine. Maybe, you know, maybe it's, um, uh, you know. I don't know, but you know, it's all, that uh, plant is also recommended to improve assimilation, which means that, like, you, uh, the food that you're eating, that your body's able to take those nutrients in, and they're not just passing through you. Right, right. Well, see, that's the, what you know, one of the things that I remember from early childhood is um, boils. Excuse me. Uh, you know that was one of the that was one of the symptoms. I, I don't think my parents got it. They didn't get it right away. What was happening? You know, but um, I I think initially it was the lactose intolerance, and then they hit, they had me on goat's milk for a, a a hot minute, and then the doctor added some kind of green goop. I think anyway, and got over that part, but. I I ended up drinking milk all my life. Wow. You know, uh, and and uh I I'm sure it didn't help my behaviors any because that's one of the things with children as they have food allergies it usually comes out in behaviors. Mm-hmm. Um and, and and uh bad breath and very gassy, you know, my body was not able to process the stuff. And, and 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 that's an indication. If you get consistent boils or zits, pimples, and that's and and you're an adult, you're putting something in your body that your body cannot process, and it's huh. getting rid of the poison the only way it, it can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was always curious about the whole thing with uh, uh, when people go through pu- puberty and then they uh, you know get a lot of. Uh, Things on their face, yeah. pimples, and yep. uh, that type of stuff. And the way that I make sense of it is that uh, hormones are changing at that time, and that's the liver. And so then, um, when hormones are, when your body creates hormones, it also has to break them down afterward in the liver. So maybe uh, the whole uh, system of the body that's taking care of waste just kind of gets a little backlogged, and then the skin has to take up some of the burden that the, normally the liver would be doing. Yeah, I I would I would um, probably agree with that. And on top of that, I think it would also expose those sensitivities. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, because even as a an adult, a young adult, you know, even into my middle age, I because I didn't get it. I even though I grew up with uh, you know knowing all that, I still in my uh, in my twenties. Oh, I was, you know, I, I did a lacto vegetarian. Oh, I'm going to be a vegetarian, but I'm going to lean on milk for protein. And I would make, you know, and I was constantly breaking out. And it didn't make any, it didn't make any sense because I must not have been thinking clearly because I stopped doing dairy uh, one day. And um, I think I think I had, I think I had gotten the flu or something like that. And I was fasting. And then when I started uh, eating again, one of the first things I did was milk, and it went right through me. And I said, "Well, if that was never, if there was ever an indication, there you go, right there. Stop it. Mm. Stop it." And yeah, it's uh, interesting too. If you take a break from foods for a while, and then you come back to something that aggravates you, it really aggravates you. Right, your body's saying, "I'm not having that anymore. <laughs> you you got to stop that." Yeah. But um, yeah, this little boy. I don't know. I have to. I'll check on this little boy. But you know, just today I heard about. Another young woman who uh, was is um, 
struggling. You know, she's she's being tortured by uh, by boils. And I said, what is her blood type? What is her? She's an A positive, you know. And I said, it, you gotta, she's got to stop drinking milk. Got to stop it. That's the first thing you do. And then I gave the the A blood type diet and said for the you know for two weeks only eat those things that are ideal for the A blood type. Don't eat don't eat anything that you should avoid or even anything moderate. Just the ideal things and give your body a break. And um, we'll see we'll see how it works because I mean. Uh, Doctors aren't even going to diet. They're going to drugs. I'll take this drug and override. Over, you can't roll. There's some stuff you're just not going to override. Mm-hmm. It's not going right. to override it. One thing that was interesting to me, I heard a talk from um, Stephanie Sinna, but the person who was interviewing her was from Australia, and he had mentioned that when he was young and he was an older man, he said they used to uh, give people um, sulfur lollies. And I assume by that he meant like a lollipop or mm-hmm. a lozenge or something mm-hmm. for boils. Hmm. And uh, well, I if tried. if you're if if it's a if it's a staff kind of driven thing, you know, and if it's uh, if it's you know something you've gotten into on your skin and you're you know it's an infectious you know you know yeah because that's what they had before antibiotics they had sulfur you know sulfur drugs. Uh huh. But. Um, Again, though, I I think that there's some things that aren't, you're not gonna you're not gonna over, they're just gonna keep on coming back, right? You know, if you if you you know if your body just can't tolerate those things. Um, okay, I'm looking at the website covidtracking.com. Let's hear it. November fifth, twenty four new deaths. For what um, county? For the whole state. And then it says I'm looking at April thirteenth. 671. That's close to the peak. I can't exactly get to the peak because uh, I got to zoom in. So, well, um, I look at I'm looking at the numbers across the state. I I don't know what the actual numbers are, but I know that there were like 58, 48 new cases just uh, yesterday or something like that, Pete. And I think that I even heard that it was. Um, 70 cases in Oneida County. So I think it's, from what I heard, it was higher than that. But um, cases, the big difference with cases is that, um, the case, well, first of all, the PCR test is not properly calibrated. And then second of all, if you have a case, it doesn't mean that you're sick. True. And different people have different you know, levels of severity, uh you know, mild, they're mild cases and, you know, then the severe cases and then the ones you end up hospitalized. But the point is, though, that even if you're a mild case or asymptomatic, you can infect someone who can go right over the edge, mm. which is why, you know, we're, you know, uh, there's, they're anticipating, uh, I don't know what they're anticipating, actually, but, but more restrictive measures. Have you been checking on Europe, what's going on in Europe? Yeah, I heard that there was a lockdown there. That's uh, that's not good. Yeah, uh, several several places, uh, you know, several countries, and you know, it's it's um, really sad. It's really sad because the I I I don't have the information in front of me, but um, they're you know doing the 
tent in the stadium, uh, you know, overflow beds and, you know, different, it, they've, they've, you know, surpassed the hospital's capacities, you know, the emergency rooms and the, the ICUs are uh, pushing it. And so it, it, there, there is more testing, so there is more evidence of positive cases, but there is still more sickness, which is, which is the, the problem. And uh, did you do COVID deaths? Yeah, I looked up COVID deaths, uh, new deaths, in New York State. Well, how about do, uh, how about do national? Because we're 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 pr- probably doing pretty well uh, as well as could be expected. No, I, I don't. I think right. You can look at uh, by May seventeenth, we were coming way down the hill, and by July, I'm sorry, yeah, July. By July first, it's been a flat line from them until November. As far as death, New York State. Okay, well, this is interesting. Right. Well, anyway, it's it's something to. Uh, I'm not. I'm not really. Clearly, I'm not prepared to speak on it. Um, very, very well. But, but I just think that it gets very, it gets confusing because we confuse one state with another state. We confuse cases with hospitalization. Absolutely, but so, but sickness and death is sickness and death, and if you can avoid it, you want to avoid it. And did you notice that even the the uh, Trump administration people are wearing masks now. <laughs> I think it's kind of uh, uh, interesting, but um, no, and, I, I, I didn't notice because I try not to. You don't, yeah, you in the TV. right, right. But do you know that uh, Donald Trump is uh, looking? At, last I knew, he was doing everything he could do to pull off a coup because he's there. They're saying he's saying I'm. You know, we're ready for another four years. Hmm. <laughs> Anyway, have to see how that uh, shakes out. But uh, yeah, anyway, the the COVID crisis remains on red alert right now, and um, we're doing everything we can to, you know, keep the keep the lid out of here. I was trying to find to um, that illustrates this pretty well, but I can't find it right now. I, you know, I have the computer in front of me, but um, it was an article about the testing that's happened in the colleges. And uh, when I read this, maybe it was a month ago, they had said that there was 54,000, this is from memory, there's 54,000 uh, positive PCRs from college students. Yeah. And out of those 54,000, there was three hospitalizations. So it just goes, to me, that goes to say that the panic over positive PCR tests is way overblown as far as the actual uh, risk and threat that's associated with it. Yeah, and, but, you know, uh, all in all, though, a college is a, an intentional community, and you basically have people from 18 to 22 there right. who, uh, going through such a, 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 an infection, are not going to be as impacted as somebody from, you know, 58 to 82, whatever, you know? The, right, they're the, and, saying that it doesn't really affect that age group. Well, it, yeah, it, yeah, they can, they can, um, they can get, they often can get over. It's not a, it's not cut and dry because some of them get, you know, seriously ill as well. But the, it's the, 
it's the uh, infectious uh, piece and, you know, people going about, you know, and, and infecting other people that's, you know, that are more susceptible. So, again, it's not, it's it, it can't all be about me, 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 and, you know, I'm okay when, you know, um, the bus driver or the, uh, the, the professor, the, you know, 68-year-old professor uh, who wasn't at that rager, you know, with the kegger is, you know, get, ends up uh, getting sick because somebody is asymptomatic. And until we can get a, a lid on it, it's really, again, it is a public health emergency that we need to be able to handle. Um, I don't want to get sick, you know, and, and, it, yeah, it, and nobody and, wants to get sick. And, but, but, you know, and, and the symptoms are, are very different from different people. Not only the severity, but the, the symptom picture. You know, you have the respiratory side. You have the malaise and the, you know, headache side. You have the, you have the uh, gastrointestinal one, you know. Uh, you have the one that's, you know, you're coughing your lungs out. And so it's a, it's a, it's a, crap shoot on who's going to be affected and how how they're going to be affected and how badly they're going to be affected so and again it's it's concentration and duration in the space of the of the uh cloud you know so moving air keeping air moving being outside air filtration these are all elements that um can make a big difference in in you know who's who gets sick and, and who doesn't? I did hear the uh, air moving thing was was uh, supposed to be a big deal. Yeah, 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 absolutely. But uh, you know, when you think about it, you can take a a bloodhound through a path that a person walked through uh, a day before, and the bloodhound. It, it, they're amazing, absolutely. So the stuff lingers, you know. Stuff lingers in the air. Well, right. I mean, but think about when if you ever um, are driving and you go past the skunk. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. right. <laughs> you know, before you get to it, and well after, right? Right, and, and that smell is going to come right through a mask too. Uh, I I imagine if the but I imagine if the skunk had, uh, you know, a, a, a mask around his booty and you had one over your face, you're not going to get so, you know, if you had one of those, uh, uh, what are they, the N95s, it, it ain't going to stink oh, so bad. I don't bad. think that's going to stop well, from a skunk. Yeah, but if the skunk had a had had an N95 on his butt and he's trying to spray, it ain't going to go but so far. But look at Pete, we're, we're past the... We're past the 6 o'clock amount. We end on a funny note. Hey, can I just add one last thing for people with stress? Okay, go. Think about taking that holy basil tea. Yeah. Because you're talking about things for your adrenals, and yeah. I notice if I drink it in the morning, by the time it gets to that 3 o'clock when you start drooping, I don't droop. Excellent. So Excellent, that, Pete. That's helps a, you deal with uh, all I, the stress. And I did, I did harvest my holy basil. I got, a little, I got a little jar of it. Nice. Yep, yep. Excellent. And thanks for that. And thanks for calling in, Pete. Hey, thanks for having me. All right, talk to you next week. Take care. Good night, folks. Thanks for tuning in.